0: Uh, but we're in a series called Live More, and I'm excited for this. For the next five weeks, we're going to through this series, kind of talking about uh, really God's promises and, and the offer he's given to us to put on the table for us, and we're going to talk about that. When we started the, the, the Grove 11 months ago, we started up. Before that, we started the journey of preparing. Um, really, we have this, this one A heart is to connect to people who, at, who make this statement, maybe daily. I know there's people all throughout Santa Fe in our, in our county, in our city that say this. There has to be more to life than this. Like, is this, all, this is all that life's about? I know there's moments in my life I found myself saying there, all right, there has to be more than this. Like, what? There has to be more than this. Well, we created a church because we believe there is more to life than just getting a paycheck and paying the bills. We believe there's it's more than just um, going through the routine and going through the cycle and going over and over, doing the same thing over and over. But there's more to it. It's not just about paying the bills and, and, and getting a paycheck going to work. There's more to it. And we're, we're going to talk about that. And throughout the scriptures, throughout the Bible, uh, God gave us this, this book. Of, it's, it's a book. Really, it's. It's not just a book. It is like an incredible, amazing book. Because it's, it's a book full, filled with other books and other writings of all types of different writers through a span of thousands of years. All right? And they all wrote and they had this common theme of saying God is a good. He, there's a plan of redemption. He wants to do something amazing. And so we have this plan where, throughout the Bible. He's saying I have something more for you. Man, I have something more for you. So today we're going to talk about promises because God has something more for your life. Whatever stage you're at, he has something more for you. Because it's a journey that he says, I want you to continue to get better. I have something better for you. I want, to, I want you to improve. I want you to, to find what I have for your life. And he offers us these things. So we're talking about promises today. If you have you got the next one for me? There has to be more. So in 2 Peter one 4 we we're talking about promises. To answer the question, there has to be more. This is what, this is what Peter says. Peter's one of the disciples that followed Jesus. Um, actually died on a cross, and he actually said, you know what, You don't, don't hang me and kill me like you did Jesus, on, like right up. I don't deserve to even die the way he died because he's so amazing. So he said he begged the, the people that are killing him, please hang me upside down. And so he died on a cross hanging upside down, uh, following the path of Jesus. Why would somebody die a horrible death like that? Because he believed in the message of Jesus so much that he said, I'm willing to give everything I have, even my life, if, if that message gets out to other people. Most of the disciples, almost all the disciples, they died a death saying, I believe in the message of Jesus so much that I'm willing to to sacrifice my life so other people's groups can hear it. And they took the message of Jesus all around the world. They started churches all around the world saying, hey, there's something that happened in our world. This man came and entered in. His name is Jesus Christ. We believe he's the son of God. But he didn't just say he was the son of God. A lot of people, they claim, you know. Man, I, I, God has this message and I have a message for you and whether it's a prophet or whatever. Well, Jesus, he claimed a big claim saying he was actually the the son of God. And it wasn't just a claim, but it was backed up with the power of miracles that that people, tons of people saw, hundreds of people saw um, when he when he went into heaven ascended. Hundreds of people saw this and even the writers, they'll, they'll refer back to it. Hey, if this is what happened, you should ask some of these eyewitnesses because they were there. If you don't believe me, ask some of your friends. They were there. They saw it. Because tons of people witnessed it and saw it. he rose from the grave. He didn't just say he was God. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die. Three days later, I'm going to raise from the grave. He told him. And it happened just the way it happened. And the, and the disciples said, I can believe this guy because he predicted it. He followed through. So Peter is one of these disciples. This is what he says. First Peter 1 or Second Peter one, four. He says, God has given us his very great and precious promises. He's given us promises. And what he's talking about is throughout all the scripture, over and over, God makes these promises to us. Um, and here's the thing about God. God doesn't break his promises. You know, maybe you've been on a, a receiving end of a broken promise. Somebody said, I promise this, and they fall, they, it falls through, and they fail on the promise. Well, God is not like that. He follows through. And He says, he's given us these very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and, ex- and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. It's an invitation to saying you can participate in the divine nature He's saying you are made for something more than just the natural. You're made for supernatural things. You're made to be a part of something larger than just what you feel and see and touch. There's something greater here. And Peter is saying he's given us these very great promises that we can participate in this with God. That we can escape. There's two parts. to Participate. But then also escape the things, evil desires that come this way. So here's what a a promise is. A promise is an offer with a guaranteed result. Promise is an offer with a guaranteed result. And God says, here's the offer. If you take it, if you receive it, it's transactional. It's up to you. I'm not going to force it on you. If you want it, here it is. Let's, let's walk in this. If you don't, it's your choice. It's free will. But it's an offer. He says, if you take my offer, this is what will happen in your life. And throughout scripture, throughout the Bible, over and over, we see people who said, I receive that offer. Man, I'm going to follow that. And the promises, they begin to flow through. In fact, Joshua he says this in the Old Testament, Book of Joshua twenty one, forty five, he says, Not one of the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. What's he saying? God is faithful. He does not go back on his word. If he promised it, if he said it, it's gonna happen. It's gonna come through because it's a it's a guaranteed result. It's an offer with a guaranteed result. It's a promise. And there's all these promises that God has made. In fact, in Hebrews, the writer, Hebrews 6, 17 through 18 says, When God wanted to guarantee His promises. He gave us His word. A rock solid guarantee. God can't break His word. And because His word cannot change, the promise is likewise unchangeable. So God gave His word. He doesn't change. He keeps going on saying, We who have run for our very lives to the God have every reason to grab the promise, to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline reaching past all appearances right into the very presence of God. So we have every reason to grab onto the hope of these promises and hold on, is saying, with, with all that we got. Because it's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline into the very presence of God. So when it comes to promises, here's the things. There's a lot of promises, but you need to, you need to know the promises. You, I need to know the promises of God. How do we do that? Well, you, have, you read the Bible. They're throughout the scriptures. Over and over, he makes promises. Some promises are made to an individual that maybe not apply to us. Some apply to a people group, and a lot of times those apply to us. And as you, as you read the Bible, you, you get familiar with it. You'll begin to see the promises that He made us. They're for us. You need to know His promises. The way you do that is read your Bible. I would actually encourage you to read your Bible every single day. I, I would pick it up, and when I say read your Bible, I'm not saying read the whole Bible to go through the whole thing. I don't do that. In fact, there's sometimes I read through it, and, and it, it's it. I don't necessarily get a whole lot out. You know, I'm reading, I'm learning, I'm growing. But my, my the goal is this. I'm trying to find that one nugget, that one truth, maybe that one promise that I can say today. I'm going to hold on to that. God, help me with that because I struggle with that. Please help me with that. And you read your Bible with the, with the heart of saying, would you help me to know a truth today? Would you help me to know something that's going to help my life? And then God begins this relationship. It's like talking to your friend. You want to learn something new. You give him a call. You say, hey, how you doing? Yeah, what's going on? How's your day going? Great. That's awesome. All right. Well, talk to you later. You learn something. Right? It's just simple as that. It's a relationship. Prayer, Bible reading is super important. So that's how you know his promises. In, in First Chronicles, a book in the Old Testament, 1719, it says, O oh Lord, for the sake of your servant and according to your will, you have done these this great thing and made known all of these great promises. So he's saying "We you made your promises known. We've heard them. We know them. They're there. You know, you need to know the promises of God. There's some great promises in the Bible. There's a, some really good promises in the Bible. Um, if you need wisdom, one of the promises I love. In, in, in James, the Bible says, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask. Ask God. And, and God, who gives generously, will not, will not judge you on that. He will give it to you, and he'll bless you. He'll give you the wisdom that you have a request. It's a promise. If you need wisdom, but then here's the part. He's not just going to give you wisdom because you need it. He's, he wants you to want it. He wants you to ask. And that's the part of it where it's a transaction saying, all right, God, I need help. You know, there's moments in my life that I just don't know what to do, and I say, God, I don't know what to do with this. Would you give me help? I remember as a teenager, 14 years old, I read the story of Solomon, King Solomon, in the Old Testament, where God said, Solomon, ask me one thing and I'll give it to you. And and, and Solomon asked the one request was, God, give me wisdom to help lead the people because I'm young. And God says, because you didn't ask for fame and for for wealth and all that, I'm going to grant your request. I'm going to give you wisdom. But I'm also going to give you all this other stuff. And God blessed him incredibly. I remember reading that story, and I said, well, if that's, if that's what God really wants our heart to be, to understand things, I prayed a prayer, that same prayer, God, would you give me wisdom, understand your kingdom, your word, understand you. And he answered me. Because at a 14, from 14 on, my life began to take a whole different direction than my friends. And I'm so grateful because my, the path that, I, that God put me on has saved me from a lot of things that I probably would have done if I wasn't on that path. So one of the promises, if you lack wisdom, ask God who gives generously. So if you're asking, that's a promise. So if you need wisdom this week, you have a difficult thing going on, ask wisdom. One lady in our church, she, she prayed and asked. She told me a story. They were trying to find something in their office, and she said, hey, um, has anybody prayed? And they're like, well, no, you know, we haven't. So she prayed, and you know what? God gave her wisdom. Go look in that box over there. And she found the thing they were looking for all day. Pretty cool. Remember that story? She asked for help. Comes God comes through. So... Financially, maybe you're, if you're struggling financially, there's a promise there. It says, my God, in Philippians 4.19, my God will supply or he'll meet all of your needs according to his, his riches and his glory. That's a pretty good thing because God is a rich God. He'll meet our needs according to his, his, his riches. Romans 8.37, he says, we, get, we hold the promise that we are more than a conqueror, that we can overcome things, that we don't have to be stuck in things. Psalms 121, he's going he's gonna to watch over us in our comings and our goings. It's an important promise that we can hold on to as we travel, as, as our kids travel. We can hold on to these promises. Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way they, they should go. And when they get old, they will not depart, they'll not leave that path. That's a great promise for parents. If you're a parent, um, man, I, I would hold on to that promise saying, God, I want to. But here's the key. He's saying train up a child in the way they should go. He's saying there's a way that you should train your child. And I'm going to help you with this. God's trying to help us. And if we will train him in God's way, when they get older, they're not going to depart. They're going to, they're going to be there. They're going to understand God's plan. It's a great promise to hold on to. promise eight Romans um, 8.28 says, God works together all things for the good. For those that love God and are called according to his purpose. God is working something out. Even in the worst situation that you're in, God says, I will work it out for good if you will let me work in this situation. That's a great promise, right? Have you gone something really that just sucks and you're like, I do not want to go through this, God is saying in the middle of that, hold on to this promise. Watch. It might not happen one day, two days, two weeks, two months, even two years. But if you'll just wait and see, I will do something in this situation. Great promise to hold on to. So you need to know these promises so that you can hold on to them. You can claim them for your life. You can, you can walk in them. It's important. How do you do that? Well, you read the Bible. When you find one of those promises, man, I would write it out. I would memorize that promise. So that in the middle of your day, when you're struggling, you can say, God, I need your help. And you said in whatever the scripture you're going to quote, you said that, man. James, God, if, if I lack wisdom, and right now I just need some wisdom. I don't know how to be a husband. Help me be a husband, God. I don't know how to be a parent. Help me to be a parent. I don't know how to be what my boss is wanting me to be right now. I can't figure this out, God. You said it. If we come to ask, you will, you'll answer. And we hold on those promises, and we begin to live them out. So promises are they're good. So we need to know the promises. We also need to understand the promises. You know, we can know them, but there's there's this part of it where God is wanting to do something. Romans eight twenty eight. A lot of people stand on that. Well. The good that God is working is not always what we think it is. In the middle of it, we're like saying, rescue me, get me out of this, and God is saying, No, I want to I want to do something even greater than that. I want to develop something in you that's gonna help so many other people. I want to develop something in you that's gonna last for years. So if I rescue you and make it easy, you know, you might not learn something. And so we have to understand what God is actually saying and we don't misinterpret and misunderstand those things. Second Corinthians 120 says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. His promises are yes. Like they're done. He made the promise. If we're doing what he's asked us to do, we're following through with that. Man, they're there for us to receive and accept. So we need to know the promise. We need to understand the promise. We also need to pursue his promises. We need to pursue his promises. Psalms 119, 140 says, your promises have been thoroughly tested and your servant loves them. And they've been tested. David is saying, all right, you told me about your promises. I've tested these. They are good. He goes on a couple uh, verses later, says, my eyes stay open through the, through the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promises. That They're that good. I think about what you've told me, God, and I want, I want those in my life. That's Psalms 119, 148. So today we're going to talk about four core promises. Kind of start the series off, kind of establish what promises are. There's these four promises that God made in Scripture to the people of Israel. So God chose this man named Abraham and said, would you, would you follow me on this path, this journey? Would you come into this relationship that I can lead you and guide you? And Abraham said, yes. And he said, and through you, I'm going to bless the, all the nations of the world through your descendants. And, it, and God starts this, the, the, this plan through Abraham. Eventually, they become the, the nation of Israel, the people of Israel. And so he gives them um, this promise. Well, in the middle of it, they begin to grow. They, they find themselves in Egypt, and they, they're slaves for 400 years. And that's, you know, people are like, wow, he really failed in the promise there 400 years. You know, he promised them these great things, and they're in slavery. And in the middle of slavery, God sends this man Moses to go and talk to the to the king, to Pharaoh. says, I'm going to deliver my people from slavery. And he makes his prom- these four promises. And in fact, they're so important that every year around, around Easter time for Passover, that, that week, they actually will read this portion of scripture. And they have this big meal. They eat with it. You know, the Last Supper before Jesus died, he goes through this, this, um, this communion service. That would have been the Passover service that they're doing. They're, they're going through this ritual. There are these four cups that they drink that are symbolism of what God has done and what God wants to do. And so he makes these four promises to the people of Israel in Exodus. So we'll find this in Exodus 6, starting in verse 6. So he says to Moses, he says, Therefore, say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with the mighty acts of judgment. They call them the four I wills. And really we structure a whole church around this. If you go to Growth Track, we talk about it. There's four things that we do that we want to do really consistently. Those are the main four things. We do other things, but these four things are kind of the, the, the core of what we're trying to do because we believe this is what God has, has promised the people of Israel thousands of years ago. And these promises still apply to you and to me today. He starts off by saying, I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. He's going to free us, give us salvation. I will free you from being slaves to them. I will redeem you. We'll talk about these in a second. I'll redeem you with an outstretched arm, with mighty acts of judgment. And then he goes on to say, I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I love what God does. He kind of sets it up, says this is what's going to happen. This is how it's going to look. And then he repeats it and says, and then you're going to know. This is exactly what Jesus did. He said, guys, something's coming. They're going to kill me. You're going to freak out because you don't, you don't understand the plan. But when I die, it's part of the plan, and I'm going to come back to life. And when I come back to life, you're going to be remembered of all this, and it's going to make it stronger. That's what God's doing here. He's saying, all right, I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to do these things for you. But then you're going to understand that you really are God, and you, you come through with your promises and with your word. That's in Exodus. So here's the four core promises. All the other promises in the Bible, I, think, I believe, are really built around these four. These are these are the central promises that God wants to accomplish in every single one of our lives. It's an offer that He makes to us. You know that first video. um, I wish I had a. It's kind of an empty cup. It won't work. Um, The first video says there's a thirst in our in our lives that we find. You know that God wants to quench. We get ourselves in that place thinking there has to be something more to life than this. God says yes, I have something more. And I have I have something that'll quench your thirst. I have something that you can have. Here's my offer. So the first offer, the first promise is this. I will bring you out. I will bring you out. So people are caught in their caught as slaves. They're having to work hard. Next week we're going to talk about this a little bit. The next few weeks we'll kind of walk through it. But they're, they're in slavery. They, are, they're, um, they have somebody else telling them what they, have, what they can do, what they can't do. They're controlled. They're owned by somebody else. And he says, I'm going to bring you out from slavery. This first promise is God's promise. God promises me salvation first promise this is one of the most important thing that we do at church every single week at end of service we say if you're here today maybe you heard some words that was spoken and you want to start this journey with god a relationship with god we're essentially saying he wants to save you from your past from the sin from the payment that you're supposed to make for your life and give you a right relationship with god and we offer we give the offer that god gives it he says you know i have something for you if you'll follow me in this and this is the first, the first promise that God gives, promises me salvation. See, in Titus 3, 3-8, through 8, it says this. It says, it wasn't so long ago that we ourselves were stupid and stubborn. I love the message translation. It just kind of tells you how it is. It's not, it wasn't that long ago that we ourselves were stupid and stubborn, dupes of sin, ordered every which way by our glands. You get the picture there, right? Our body is calling the shots. Like, that is good. Do more of that. That is hard work. Don't do any of that. The body is saying, I want the easy stuff. I want the good stuff. He says, we were ordered in every which way by our glands, going around with chips on our shoulders, hated and hating back. He continues on. But when God, our kind and loving Savior, God, stepped in, he saved us from all of that. It was all his doing. We had nothing to do with it. He gave us a good bath, and we came out as new people, washed inside and out by the Holy Spirit. Our Savior Jesus poured out new life so generously. God's gift has restored our relationship with him and given us back our lives. And there's more life to come, an eternity of life. You can count on this. What is he saying through Titus? He's saying, man, God, he wants to do something amazing. He's already done something amazing. He died on the cross for us so we can be cleansed from our past sins. And the offer of salvation is saying, hey, the old person that you used to be, all the struggle and the hating and the hating back, The foolishness, the things that we did, that we chose, I can take that. I can forgive that. Here's the offer. And he puts the offer on the table for us saying, if you accept this, here's what's in exchange. And he offers this to us saying, would you do this? Kind of the way we know we accept that is we're beginning to work through some of those things he's talking about. We're moving past that. We're moving forward. God is helping us work through that. It's a prayer of faith. God says he hears that prayer and we say, God, forgive me. I need help. I invite you to lead me. Thank you for dying that cross. The way he says is if we confess our sins with our mouth, we believe with our heart, then we will be saved. This idea of repentance, you know, this word idea is just to turn, turn turn to a different direction. Instead of going in your, that way, you go, go his way. So the second promise is this, I will free you. The promise of salvation, then he says I will free you. And this is God's promise of deliverance or freedom, another word we can use. But you say, well, wasn't it the first promise? Like, I'm going to take you out of slavery. Well, you know, even though somebody leaves leaves the old life of of living under the the bondage of sin, okay, they don't automatically start thinking like a free person. They still continue to think the way they were thinking for all those years. In fact, at the story, you even see people as God frees them from slavery. At one point, they actually say, you know what? I wish God would let us go back to slavery because it was easy there. This is hard. That was easy. And and some of the guys are probably thinking, are you serious? You you thought that was easy, being beaten by these guys, making these bricks? Like, are are you forgetting all the bad stuff? Because, yeah, there was some stability. There was some things that were there that may be more comfortable. But we're free here. Why would you even think that? And so the second second offer is saying, all right, man, I I don't want you to stay thinking the way you've always thought. I have something new for you. I want to help build you into this new person that, that, that I'm making and creating in you. Would you allow me to restore, to free you, deliver you? Those things that held you back for years, I want to break those in your life so you're not stuck having to be addicted to those. They don't dictate and control your life, but you're free from those. A lot of people, and this, this, this promise is a good, it's a good promise, but it's really about us. It's an individual thing saying God wants to clean us up, wants to fix us and help us. The first one, salvation, that's the most important promise. That is what's going to determine your, your salvation, your eternity with God. The second promise is kind of your your um uh, for life. It's going it's going to improve your your life your quality of life because he's improving you. He's helping you to see the way he sees. He's helping you love others the way he wants you to love others. A lot of people get stuck there. It's a battle. They don't ever want to move past that. But there's more offers than that. He wants to free us from our old way of thinking, from from patterns and thought patterns that have kept us back. Romans says it like this. Romans 7:25 through 8 it's a couple of the verses in there. He says, So then, I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Jesus Christ, the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. So before I was a Christian, he's saying, man, I was stuck to this life, this life, law, this law of sin and death. But now because I've invited him, he's working in my life through the Holy Spirit. I am now free from having to do those things. I, I can overcome those things. He's saying you've got to keep moving on. You don't stop. And you invite God, that first one, second one, you keep letting God move in your life. The third one is this. third promise, he says, I will redeem you. It's the promise of redemption. The idea of redemption is to put something back to its original Intent. So when you were created, God, God talks about us as a masterpiece. Like we were created for something to do here on earth. And he's saying, I want to help you find that purpose in life. 301, to, actually today, if you come to the growth track, 301, this is what, what this whole promise is built around. We're trying to help you discover how God wired you, how God made you, so you can find that, that purpose in your life. It's a great thing. And he's saying, want to I, I want to redeem you. God promises us redemption. I want to redeem you. I'm going to put you back to that original intent because there's, you are made to do something on this earth. Your personality, the gifts he wants to give you, your passions, they all, they all meet to, to help you accomplish something that's going to make a difference in this world. In Ephesians 1.11 it says this, It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had, designed us, had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose, he's working out in everything and everyone. He's saying, he has a plan for your life. He wants to accomplish it. If you will receive his offer and say, God, I invite you in this. Help me to do this. So you've offered me salvation. You've offered me um, deliverance and freedom. You're offering me redemption and being put back to that original intent. Then he goes on to say, but this is not the fourth one. I, The last one is, I will take you as my own people. This is God's promise of fulfillment. See, over and over he says, I will, I will do this for you as an individual. I will do this for you, individual. I will do this for you, individual. And then he says, I will take you as my own people. And then he moves it from just an individual to a people group. And this, is, this is what God is trying to do. He's trying to say there's a family, family of God. There's a bigger picture. There's people around us that I want you to partner up with. It, it's, God's, it's God's promise of fulfillment in life. I believe you won't be you won't truly be satisfied. You'll keep asking that question, ask me more to life than this, until you get to this last cup and you begin to realize that the role you play, the third one, the third promise of, of God helping us find our purpose, when we begin to serve our purpose with others, we begin to find fulfillment. Because what happens when you come together with a whole bunch of people, you begin to do something that it's impossible for one person to accomplish. But as with a group of people with a family, with others, you can accomplish more. In, in marriage, I used to hear marriage is 50-50, and don't believe that. That is really bad advice. Um, somebody said, why Why in the world would anybody want to go from 100, uh, producing 100% down to 50% once you get married? It's like, all right, I'm married. I can only do half the stuff now, right? It's not 50-50. You're both giving 100, and that's why marriage can be so powerful, because when you're giving 100 and your spouse is giving 100, you're producing a whole lot more than 100, Right? It's, it's, a, it's a cumulative effect. It's, it's a build-up where you come in together, you do something amazing. This is what teamwork is about. It's a reason we celebrate the Dallas Cowboys. Well, not me. Sorry, Dave. <laughs> All right. Wow. Seahawks? What? I think football's starting. Man, get some colors in here pretty soon. It's one of the reasons I think we celebrate teams. Why? Because people together do something that not one person can do. And I think this is, it fills a, a part of our life that makes us feel kind of like we're a part of something that's larger than us. The only sad part is when your team doesn't make it, you're like, oh, I was a part of the wrong team. <laughs> yeah, that's a bummer, you know, I'm going to switch teams next year. Maybe that team will be better. God's promise of fulfillment is saying, would you be a part of a team that is going to do something greater together? One of the things I love about the Grove is we have amazing people that serve together every Sunday. Some of those, those people, they're watching some of your, kid, your kids. If your kids are in G-Kids right now, they're watching your kids pouring into them, loving on them, caring for them. We can do something amazing together because we're working together. You should come early on a Sunday morning and watch the team. The trailer rolls in at 7.30. People are in here setting up lights before the trailer gets here. The trailer gets unpacked. Everything gets taken out. The cords are run. It's pretty amazing. It's pretty cool. They all work together. And not, every, not one single person is really overwhelmed because everybody's doing their part. Now, if I had to do all that by myself... I would have stopped week three because I'd have been like, I can't do that. We're going to do something else. But I'm so grateful I don't have to do it by myself. And in fact, it's funner. It's more fun when I have other people to do it with. You'll hear uh, some of our team, some of them are really loud and excited, and, and you're like, yeah, that, 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 that lights my fire. It fills me up because they're happy. I want some of that. And they come and they have a good time as they set up. It's fun because we're doing it together as a family. We're going to start small groups pretty soon. When you're doing things together, Working towards something, a common goal. Man, life is, it's fulfilling. It's satisfying. There's so much more to it. John 10.10, 10, and this is our heart, our heart for you. Jesus says, all right, there's an enemy that wants to still kill and destroy in your life. But I come that you may have life and have it to its full. Another translation says, I come that you may have a better life. We say it like this, that you may live the best life possible. On earth, this this week, today, this year, this school year, man, wouldn't it be great to live the best life you could possibly live this year? That's God's offer. He says, if you will follow and you'll accept my offer that I put on it, my promise, I guarantee the will a result that you'll be pleased with. And that's what he's telling people of Israel. And he leads them on this journey. And for us, he wants to lead us on a journey. He says, here's my offer. The same promises he made to the people of Israel, he's making to you today. The same promises he made to the people of Israel, he's making to you and to me. And that first one he says, all right, are you tired of living where your flesh and your body and you just do everything for yourself but it doesn't fulfill? Here's that first promise. Here's salvation. You want to be part of my kingdom? Here's salvation. The second promise. Man, are you, are you ready to be freed from thinking the, the, the patterns and the thought patterns that have held you back for so long? You ready to move on to the next level? Here's my promise. I will, I will free you from those thinking. I'll, I'll deliver you. I'll give you freedom from that. And I'll redeem you. I'll put you back and, and help you find purpose in life. And then I'll help you find prompt, fulfillment. Every single one of us, one of those promises applies to us. Some of us is that first promise of salvation. Others, we just haven't found fulfillment because we're not a part of something that's larger than us. And even if it's not our the church, the grove, we're not saying you have to just be a part of the grove, but find a team you can be a part of us making a difference. One of the reasons I love Bike for the Light it's because I get to ride with all these other guys that have the same heart to say, hey, together we can do something a whole lot bigger than any one of us can do. And we get to do it together. It's fun. It is. It's fulfilling because it's I'm with a team. Maybe that's the step you need to take. Others is discovering your purpose. Discovering the gifts. If, if you're a Christian and you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, come to, to class tonight. We'll help you f- discover those. In fact, a good portion of Christians, they, they don't know what their spiritual gifts are. That's part of God saying, hey, I've wired you. I've given you something to do. Let's discover those so you can find fulfillment. You can find purpose in life. So today, if you're here, maybe you're new to church. Maybe you've never, you know, you haven't come back for a while. You haven't been to church for a long time or this is your first time. Can I tell you something? That God loves you. We sang that song in the beginning where it says that there's there's a love that the Heavenly Father has for us. It's not an accident that you're here today. God has a plan for your life. And it, it all starts, relationship starts with God by us saying, All right, I receive your offer. And the way we receive that first offer is by saying, God, man, I need your help. It's, it's called humility. It's letting go of pride of saying, I, I, I'm going to do this on my own, to saying, I can't do this on my own, please help me. And we invite God to then help us. And you know what he does? He helps us, he answers that prayer. So God draws near to those who are humble. The proud. He resists those people. Well, they don't need me. Part, partly because they resist him. But the humble that says, "God, I need your help." He says, "All right, come." So, do me a favor. You close your eyes today and bow your heads. I'm going to give an opportunity for some of you here today that maybe you've never, you've never asked God to help for help. And that'd be the first offer and the first promise that I could tell you. That this is the greatest promise that He says, "All the past that you've done, man, I'm going to erase that. I'm going to be a new life, a new start." This is why Jesus came. The Bible says because we've all sinned, every single one of us, the payment for sin is death. But because of the cross, God stands in that payment for us. He paid it for us. And he says, here's the offer. I give you salvation. Salvation for now and in, in life, but also salvation to enter into heaven after this life. If you're here today and you, you want to accept that first offer, would you just lift your hand? I won't embarrass you. I won't call you down. Awesome. Just all have, have you pray a prayer there, at your seat. You raise your hand. You're just saying, "God, I, I accept that offer. I need salvation. Man, I need something in my life to change. I need, I need your help." Anybody else here today? You say, "I would, I would accept that offer." I invite you. Awesome. For you that raise your hand, I'm, I'm leading your prayer. It's a simple prayer. Just saying, "God, forgive me." The idea is that we repent. Essentially, we turn from the direction we're going to the direction God wants us to go. We turn back to God. So, for you that raise your hand, would you pray this prayer with me? For the rest of us, would you would you join them in this prayer to encourage them, just help them say, "Man, this is a great decision you're making." Pray this with me. Say, "Father God, thank you for sending your Son to give us a better way. Help us. Help me." Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me my past. Thank you for dying on that cross for me. I believe that you're God. And I believe you're alive. I invite you today into my life. Lead me. Guide me. I receive the offer. I receive your promises. Help me to reflect to you today. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let me pray over you guys. God, thank you for those that raised their hand today. God, they received this offer of salvation, Lord. Lord, I pray that as they start this journey with you, it would help them to just know that you have good plans for their life. and help them to walk with you this week, Lord. That they would begin to experience and to sense your presence in a powerful way, a real way. For those that are here today, maybe you're skeptical, maybe that haven't made this decision. I pray this week, Lord God, that you would just show them how much you love them, how much you care for them. God, that what you what You give when we receive that offer is so much more than we could ever dream of or hope for. Help us to live the best life that we could possibly live here on earth, God. Thank you for those. Raise your hand and pray that prayer today. God, I just, I bless, Lord God, and thank you for them.